welcome back to another episode of Rock and Ramble Podcast. You are here with your host, Andrea. And Victoria. And we are following up on last week's episode. This is part two of Led Zeppelin. And in this part, we're going to dive a lot deeper into their discography and song meanings and who they were like as people um which is you know the good the bad and the ugly that's what we're gonna see (laughs) so let's just dive right into it yeah um so we will start obviously with their first album which was self-titled led zeppelin um it was released in 1969 and like several of the other bands that we've covered it's like man they recorded this in 30 hours i don't know how people are capable of those things especially for it to be like such an incredible debut which we've had a few of those bands who had knocked it out of the park on the first album but um yeah they're some of their bigger songs that are more well known are dazed and confused and um good time bad time but also um When I was listening to these albums again and thinking of, like, what will my deep cut choice be? It was like, man, Led Zeppelin's one of those bands that probably so many people know more than just their main hits that hit the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, Because their discography is very just so widely known, so popular. There's not a whole lot of songs that are like, oh, I've never heard that one for a lot of people. Maybe, Mm -hmm. obviously, of course, some people will never have heard some songs, but... I feel yeah, like this so whole even those are like debut the album. And- yeah, I feel like the whole debut album is like big songs that like everybody would recognize, even if they don't know the mm-hmm. name. Like they'll recognize the the song. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's this is one of those bands sometimes that um, people might also struggle with because I struggle with this with like even other bands when the song name does not match any of the lyrics yeah and it doesn't have like a super clear direct tie-in like okay it might not say it but it's obviously this you know idea Mm -hmm. then it's hard for me to remember like uh i know i know this song and if someone sings it i can sing it but i don't remember if it's like this name or this name or this name or this name yeah it's harder for me to remember those things but yeah so this album um reached number 10 in the u.s number four in the uk excellent for a debut album and it's very well known because of the cover artwork is mm-hmm. um, a picture of the Hindenburg burning, which we had referenced in, in part one when we talked about like um, like the niece of the Von Zeppelin yes. guy being like, wow, cool, Zeppelin. <laughs> and then the covers. No, the no, 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 burning, no. <laughs> which is that German airship that burned um, yes. in like 1937. That's what I was going to say. 1937. Yeah. Cool. Look at us. Oh, and the other thing is, again, we touched on this, but Dazed and Confused was a rework, and I have to say, quote, rework of a song by the Yardbirds, which was um, the kind of original band where they formed. Yes. Um, But even that was really taken from Jake Holmes. Jake Holmes. So Mm -hmm. even then it was not like... You yeah, know, taken by the Yardbirds, and the Yardbirds should have been the one mad. No, um, but Jake Holmes with... did sue, but the case was dismissed. But he's credited anyways on the albums. 
Yeah, a lot of the um, original artists did sue, and then they later got credits on, like, mm-hmm. um, the Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. I know we touched mm-hmm. on this, and I couldn't remember her name, so I looked it up as Anne Breeden or Brayden. Um, she was an American folk singer, and she's the one that composed Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. And then Joan Baez was the one that made it popular, and that's where Zeppelin took it from Joan Baez and reworked it into their version of Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. But because Joan Baez Mm -hmm. had credited it as traditional, meaning like kind of it's a free-for-all, they Mm -hmm. also credited it as traditional and then like composed or arranged by Jimmy Page um, Mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So they're maybe they tried or didn't try I'm not really sure (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um one thing that I thought was funny because um listening back when we were talking about the plagiarism part of it and how they were so like nonchalant about it like yeah but you know (laughs) we made it better Mm -hmm. right like um (laughs) they weren't like outright denying it but they weren't like saying sorry for it you know Um, Yeah, they just seemed very like, what's the big deal? Yeah, but (laughs) it's so funny to me because that immediately, it made me think of um, In the Still of the Night by Whitesnake and how upset Robert Plant Mm -hmm. got about Mm -hmm. Whitesnake even just sounding like Zeppelin. Yeah, And I remember doing that episode and being like, oh yeah, In the Still of the Night is clearly like influenced by Zeppelin, but it's not like a complete like knockoff. It was mm-hmm. just an influenced by, sounded like, and Robert Plant went so far as to call David Coverdale David Cover Version and like be yeah. so upset about it. <laughs> and yet here he is, <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> not even changing the words to some of the songs yeah. they're ripping off. So it, I was like, man, calling the it's like a pot calling the kettle black or whatever that is, like. Yeah. It's just that stuck out to me. It's like, hey, I remember that. And then Jimmy Page ended up doing a collaboration with him at some point, um, (laughs) like in the 80s, I believe. So who knows? But I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to point that out next time. (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um, Let's see. For Days and Confused, that's like still their main one from that album. So. The performances for that song, which we talked about this in part one, is mm-hmm. like they could go anywhere with any of their songs, like make them last as long as they wanted to. And they like really ran with that you know, freedom. Mm-hmm. And the performances for this song were known to be over 20 minutes sometimes. And that's really crazy to me. It's like Amazing. 20 minutes. And yeah. And also probably very well known is this was... Um, the inspiration behind the cult classic 1993 Dazed and Confused movie. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. All right, all right, all oh, right. Oh, I've only seen like half of it. And that was like this summer. Really? I had never, I, kn- I always could tell when the pic, like, you know, you see clips or pictures and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's from Dazed and Confused. But I had never seen the whole thing through. Um, It'd but be yeah, a lot I cooler now if have did. seen half of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that works well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yep. I had wanted to watch it more recently because I think it's like always on my list. So like, oh, I should watch that. But yeah, I read the 
Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights book. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So, yeah, I wanted to watch it. And then, I don't know. I think I rented it from the library. That's why. And then I took forever to get to it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to turn it back in. And I was like, wow, I didn't even have time to watch it. Yeah, it was but. filmed here in Austin. And there's mm-hmm. um, a burger joint. I forget the name of it. But um, we've driven by it several times. Um, shoot can't remember the name of it now but yeah that's where they filmed like the the scenes um mm-hmm. a bunch of the the burger scenes but yeah it's a kind of an iconic movie um pretty good you should watch it also yeah you know is what it is for that time <laughs> <laughs> yeah of, yeah there like, was some stuff that i was like wow okay uh-huh. i mean i'm not surprised because i've seen older movies so yeah but. It is funny to think about stuff that is normal now, mm-hmm. or normal then, and like yeah. not accepted now. PC now. Mm-hmm. Well, hazing was never so. good. Let's be clear. Hazing was never. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's kind of like what it was about, like hazing, um, and in high school. So I, yeah, we didn't have hazing in high school. That was um, a little. I mean, maybe some. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the right, uh, like, groups. I was on varsity bowling. I mean, I bowling. think that means we there were no in the right varsity bowling. not be. <laughs> <laughs> was, like, pin you down at the end and then they to, like, roll the ball into you. <laughs> to knock you down. Uh, yeah. You have to. You think uh, you're strong enough for this team? <laughs> if you don't make it all the way down the lane without falling down, then <laughs> you owe us. <laughs> Yeah. Or you have no. to like recreate the across the universe, like dancing across <gasps> yeah. the bowling lanes and skipping. Okay, I would have like liked that. I would have enjoyed the that. The hippiest hazing you could do. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. That's um, funny. Mm-hmm. No hazing and bowling. So. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. We were not in the groups that might have participated in yeah, probably. I think that means we did choose the right groups. That's right. Um, yeah, so anyway. <laughs> Back to Speaking of choosing groups, uh, <laughs> the next album is related to Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. more heavily than the first one was, at least like notably. Um, the second album is called Led Zeppelin II, mm-hmm. um, also released in 1969. And the big songs from here are both very, very well known. It's Whole Lot of Love and Ramble On. Yeah. And Ramble On is our partial namesake, Woo-hoo. Rock and Ramble. Um, that's what we do a lot of. And yes. And <laughs> if our bowling hazing wasn't a great example. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping um, it rambling. Yeah. They are all huge fans of Tolkien and yeah. Lord of the Rings. And it's noted in like many lyrics throughout their discography, but like mm-hmm. including Misty Mountain Hop, Over the Hills and Far Away, The Battle of Evermore, Stairway to Heaven, and our partial namesake, like I said, Ramble On. So I'm going to read like a little excerpt from it. Okay. Is, um, mine's a tale that can't be told. My freedom I hold dear. How years ago in days of old when magic filled the air, t'was in the darkest depths of Mordor I met a girl so fair, but Gollum and the evil one crept up and slipped away with her, 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 yeah, and ain't nothing I can do. No. And it's like pretty clear. Like there's not a whole lot of metaphor there because it's like Mordor and Gollum. Um, But I saw one part that it was like some people interpret her as the ring <laughs> and it was mm. like 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense because that's what like Lord of the Rings is all about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's once you hear Great. it, because for a long time listening to, um, especially younger, I did, I never picked up on those things. I was just like no. jamming out and listening. Like we've said in every episode, like to some degree, there's songs where we're like, oh, I don't know what this is about. Right. But I really hadn't realized the connection with Lord of the Rings. And now like, it's like really cool <laughs> that they did. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was, um, so Robert Plant was like super influenced by Lord of the Rings and also um, like Welsh um Mm-hmm. Like and like history. Norse mythology, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, Norse mythology and that sort of thing. Um, and we'll kind of touch on that when it comes up. But that had a lot to do the, with those um, immigrant song. Yeah, yeah. So we'll mm-hmm. I'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, well, that does bring me to the third album, which is what I was going to talk about with mm-hmm. the immigrant song. Um, there we go. Led Zeppelin three was in nineteen seventy, and their biggest song is immigrant song. And even people who don't think they know Zeppelin, they know that. I'm, yeah. again, not going to attempt that. But I, I mean, that is just such a neat intro. And yeah. it's in so many movies. Oh, yeah. So many movies. And keeping it alive. It's just crazy to me. Yeah. And it was written after a trip to Iceland. Um, and it's written as like more of an acoustic and folk sound mm-hmm. kind of, or like, sorry, the whole album. It's not necessarily that one song with a Celtic influence. And that one song though, makes me think of like me and you in sophomore English and learning about Norse mythology more oh, than yeah. I, we ever really had before. And just like, Oh, this is really cool. <laughs> and just being like fascinated by it. And then being like, Oh, I see, I can see how you could would, like write a whole album. Like, you know, I mean, if that's where your imagination and talent yeah. can take you, then why not that? Because it's, like, really neat. But mm-hmm. I think it's funny that it is in so many movies, and it's usually, like, at the beginning of, like, a battle scene or, like, like some kind of amp up in the plot. And even <laughs> I feel like it's maybe not ripped off. Maybe Maybe whatever Jimmy Page and Robert Plant did with their mm-hmm. songs to other people is like uh so mila my my daughter i told you likes the movie descendants and i can't oh, remember yeah. if it's the first second or third but there's like this part of a song where they're like in like this little dance battle thing and they don't do the exact <laughs> vocals of immigrant song but they mm-hmm. do a version of it that I'll, I'll maybe i'll just link to it in the show notes but they do a version of it where i'm like this has to be a callback to immigrant song like or I don't know, maybe I can look into, like, if they somehow gave credits to Zeppelin. Oh, okay. But it's just, like, this This is so obviously trying to mimic Immigrant Song, but it's uh. not Immigrant Song. And I just, I don't know, I, I hear it all the time in other I also think of Shrek. I know it's in so many, but I just think of, isn't it Shrek 2? No. Oh. oh. Maybe. Is it Shrek 2 when, like, everyone comes out of the forest? Who is it? Oh, my gosh. It's going to drive me crazy now. It's one of the Shrek movies when a battle's about to begin uh-huh. and you hear that and it's like really, really cool. Oh. <laughs> I also just like the Shrek movies. Yeah. <laughs> but is there a beeping yeah. on your side? Is there like beep? Or is that? Is that here? Do you hear that? Oh, that's our AC. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super quiet over here. Oh, oh that's funny. It's like, ooh. wait, hold on. I'm going to, 
Maybe it's not. I honestly don't even know where it's coming from. If it's not the AC, it's just like in the whole house. <laughs> I don't know. As long as it's not an alarm going off, it's fine. Oh, no. Is it going to, you think it's going to be a problem in like No. The... No, it's fine. Oh, okay. It's not that loud. No. Um, We're good. Okay, cool. So now so make sure we're your house going isn't, like, into burning down around you. <laughs> <laughs> you just like see the fireman coming in. I'm like, oh, what happened? Uh, <laughs> hey guys, could you keep it down, please? <laughs> no recording. Okay, so yeah, Zeppelin three. Um, this one, I feel like out of all the Zeppelin. Um, albums number three has the ones that i don't recognize as much right um, so like not as many of the more popular ones yeah i agree yeah um so you know those are some good ones to go listen to and mm -hmm. you know re because i know there's ones like i don't know like celebration day like i can't tell you that one off the top like i couldn't yeah. say that or sing it but i know when i hear it i'll be like oh yeah that's yeah led zeppelin i know yeah. that um so stuff like that but um yeah not a whole lot okay. yeah um their fourth album mm -hmm. this one's interesting because it's kind of I don't know. It might be a little tough for me to explain it, but so it's untitled slash Zoso or Led Zeppelin IV. Um, it was released in 1971 as huge ones, huge, huge ones, like the iconic Stairway to Heaven and Black Dog, When the Levee Breaks and Going to California. Yeah. And the person on the front used to be speculated to be from Lord of the Rings, but it turns <laughs> out it's um, the Hermit from yeah. the tarot cards which Jimmy Page ended up playing the role of in yes. their movie, Song Remains the Same. <laughs> weird, um, weird. He's like yeah, crawling up strange. the mountain and then yeah. like him as the hermit. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the Stairway to Heaven song that everybody knows, and uh, I always think of it in reference to Wayne's World. Do you remember that? Whenever they're like, they go to the guitar shop and there's this, they're like going to play a guitar and like just try one out and there's a sign. It was like, no playing stairway to heaven like because i guess everybody would go everybody. in there and be like do i can't do it but you know do the beginning notes and yeah feel like they're like a great guitarist because they're like oh what okay i will watch the rest of days confused you and need I'll to go watch, watch wayne's world, world. <laughs> agree wayne's world. i know yeah. i've seen like i know Foxy. all the like Bohemian i love wayne's Rhapsody. world i know yeah like, it's an iconic movie that i've never watched i don't know Okay. Well, Deal. I do have a list of movies. Oh gosh, yeah. So, yeah. So let's let's do that one. That album uh, was purposely left untitled because the the band was getting so fed up with like British media and how they were portraying the band and mm -hmm. how like the bad reviews and stuff that they would get, and it's like. They didn't, Zeppelin didn't get big until they went to America and then they came mm -hmm. back to the UK and 
a bunch of people were like, oh, this band from America. And they're like, no, we're actually British. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's just that they hadn't had really good um, media coverage from from that point and up until that point. And so they were so fed up and they're like, you know, we're not going to title this album and we're going to make it real hard for them (laughs) to to reference. Yeah, to talk about it. And that's why people called it. Because there'd been Led Zeppelin 1, 2, 3, and 4, or 1, 2, yeah. 3. And so people just automatically called this Led Zeppelin 4. And then it had the symbols on it, which that one that yes. you referenced, Zoso, actually mm-hmm. not a word. It's not Zoso. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a symbol. And each of the band chose, um, so there were four of them, four symbols or sigils on that fourth album. Mm-hmm. And they were all chosen from a standard reference book of occult symbols. And each member mm-hmm. was supposed to choose a sigil that they felt represented them in some way. Um, and again, this was just like mainly Jimmy Page being like, okay, here, like pick pick one of these. And yeah. so for him, he chose the, the symbol. It looks like Zoso. Um, and then... Uh, Robert Plant chose like the feather in a circle, um, mm-hmm. I guess like representing like nature and um, peace and stuff. And then uh, John Paul Jones, he had I think it was like the three. I don't know what you're called. They're like interlocking. It almost looks like a, a Celtic symbol. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, John Bonham had the three circles, and that like he thought it like represented like his uh, drum kit. And so, mm-hmm. like, interlocking. Mm-hmm. Um, so they each chose those, but I don't think any of the other guys really had like much had, yeah. input other than, like, oh, I like that one, and that was it. Like, it yeah. wasn't as big of a thing. I always thought it was, like, this huge, like, oh, that is, like, Led Zeppelin. Like those are there. Meaning. Yeah. Yeah, they're so and, identifiable yes. as Led Zeppelin is the yes, thing. Exactly. That's That's, like, what you're saying. It's crazy to, like, just be like, well, let's pick these. Yeah. And, I mean, when you're – be, go on to become one of the biggest bands ever like I guess anything you do is going to mm-hmm. be pretty well known but like those little images or icons are very immediately recognizable as like that's Led Zeppelin and they don't and have the huge you don't associate meaning. it with something else yeah <laughs> yeah that we thought that or I know maybe other people do but yeah um yeah I think other people do <laughs> yeah there's definitely a crowd that probably specific group it. of people <laughs> yeah that might yes um, and, oh, one thing I thought was interesting because, I don't know, I just, I feel like Joni Mitchell comes up a lot in, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like, stuff that I, I'm just interested outside of this, even. Um, so there's speculation, and pretty widely speculated, um, that going to California is, that has a line that says, someone told me there's a girl out there with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair is a reference to Joni Mitchell, Mm -hmm. whom both Jimmy Page and Robert Plant loved. And she, I mean, I know Joni Mitchell was like massive and like Mm -hmm. hugely influential. I mean, even now, but like, especially then, like people, you know, loved her. But I guess I didn't realize that she was like, kind of like the it girl (laughs) for that scene. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people were like in love with her but yeah jimmy page and robert plant both felt like they loved her and mm-hmm. so going to california um mm-hmm. is yeah kind of a just an ode to Joni Joni mitchell, mitchell. Yeah. i thought that was interesting so i was like wow i guess i don't know that's just crazy to me it's yeah really cool for her <laughs> yeah right she's like i'll take it no 
So yeah. moving and on to the oh. other. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yep. The other thing about Stairway to Heaven was it was not originally going to be a single at all. Um, the album version is eight minutes long, which mm-hmm. is huge. And we've talked about some really long songs before on a few other episodes. But the live versions, just kind of like Dazed and Confused, they were known to be much, much longer, sometimes with like 30-minute versions, which I feel like if you're going to be on drugs, that would be like the time mm-hmm. to do them. It's like on those like just huge, long well, songs and where you're good, just like jamming out to the solos. And yeah, stuff. I was like a good portion of that is just like Jimmy Page on the guitar. And like yeah, just so sometimes just like minutes on end of him just like distorting sounds. Like, mm-hmm. not even, like, playing licks or anything, just sound distortion. Um, mm-hmm. And, gosh, those guys got so sweaty. Like, they're so... <laughs> and rightfully so, but, man, you would see, and they'd just be, like, soaked playing, you know, and, like, halfway through a show. It's like, good mm-hmm. grief, working hard. No wonder they all stayed so thin. Yeah. I mean, you and I, we just came back what, last week? A week ago, today. Yeah. We went and saw um, a concert at Stubbs, which is an outdoor music venue in Austin. And yes. it's August, okay? <laughs> Middle of August when we saw them. We saw a Dashboard Confessional um, yes. with An- and Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. And Cartel. And opening was Cartel, yes. yes. Um, Andrew McMahon is also surprise. the lead singer of Jack's Mannequin in Something Corporate, in case people... Yes. Um, but they were all, like... Fully, Andrew McMahon was in like flannel, yeah, he was a flannel like button-down shirt, and like you know Jeans. slacks. And yeah. I mean, I was just like, you know, you're gonna perform outside in Texas. Like, I know you got an image you're trying to, but I, it's just wild to me that I, I feel like if I knew I was gonna be on an outdoor show mm-hmm. and performing, and those were he was very high energy. He was like oh, running yeah. around on stage and in stuff. And out like, of the I would crowd, be like tank yeah. top and shorts like I can't <laughs> I don't know how they <laughs> could do it I mean I try to be like maybe cute somehow but yeah I could not do a button-up flannel and like go out there and I don't know that's crazy to me yeah so you talked about sweaty and I just was thinking like man I that's got to be so uncomfortable that was <laughs> in such trying a to perform that way yeah, they, yeah. it was really really they good all show. knocked it out of the park they all sounded so good and were so um fun to watch and it was fun to be really nostalgic and sing those songs but yeah it definitely was super hot for us and we were in tank tops tank tops and shorts and stuff um mm-hmm. but i i would think like maybe because they're just like playing like night after night after night like your body just gets used to it maybe um mm-hmm. i don't know my body didn't get used to it. Yeah, I was like, we live here we in were, Texas and we were outside buying six dollar cans of water just to yeah. stay hydrated. Um, and we we're just standing there. <laughs> yeah, we weren't doing anything. Doing anything, but we yeah, around. that's our other other little side of music that we love is like the emo. Oh my god, cartel yes. like dashboards like emo kings like Chris Carabas everything. <laughs> But anyway, yes, yes. <laughs> he is. Yes. Anyway, on to the fifth album, yep. um, Houses of the Holy. So 1973 and their mm-hmm. big song. I did not know. I always called the song Dire, Dire Maker. Maker. Mm-hmm. Jamaica. I Jamaica. Assu- yeah. 
as soon as I learned that, I was like, and my, my, I think my brother came over that day and I was like, hey, I got to tell you something. <laughs> I was like, you're probably going to hear it whenever like this episode is out, but I'm going to tell you right now because I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamaica, Jamaica, I feel like I'm still saying it wrong. It's supposed yeah. to be pronounced like Jamaica as if you're saying it in an English accent as like a Jamaica. nod to the more, yes, as a nod yeah. to the more reggae sound of the song. Mm-hmm. And it's from a Cockney joke. And so the joke is, the man one was like, my wife, it, it's not a joke joke. It's just like something silly. So man one is saying, my wife is going on holiday. And I can't do Cockney, so too bad. Uh, <laughs> man number two is like, his response to that is Jamaica. And it's supposed to sound like Jamaica. But if you pronounce it quickly, it sounds like, did you make her? <laughs> like did you make her go on holiday and the first man's like no she's going on her own accord like i didn't make her which i get uh i'm not delivering that joke because well, he's all. supposed to be, he's asking like jamaica but like no i yeah. didn't make her because he's yeah it's supposed to be like uh asking is she going to jamaica right and then here here i'll be man one let's try okay. this again i'll okay. be man one you be man two okay my wait what's the cockney accent is the one that's like I can't, it's like super exaggerated. I'm not going to try. Right? I'm not. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's not try. <laughs> my, my wife is going on holiday. Jamaica? <laughs> Jamaica? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait. Okay. So this is not a better version of the joke. <laughs> no. Anyway, but, you get the point. <laughs> I always thought this song anyway. was called Dire Ma for like a very oh. long time. Because... <laughs> Back in the day, when you got oh, your songs, mark? yeah, um, they wouldn't always have like the full titles, and so mine literally <laughs> said "Dire Ma," and I was like, "Cool, oh. Dire Ma," and so like I always thought, and I always loved it because it's like a really catchy tune and reggae, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh yeah, Dire Ma," and then, mm-hmm. gosh, it was like mm-hmm. years and years and years later, mm-hmm. um, so not too terribly long ago, that I learned that it's. Dire Maker or Jamaica. Um, yeah, I yeah. I always said Dire Maker, and I never really understood why. It's one mm-hmm. of those that I had not connected the song title to that song. Um, yeah. I recognized the song title, and I was like, I know it's one of the ones that I know well, but I can never remember which one. And now it's, like, unforgettable. Like, oh, the more and reggae And it's so different than, is, yeah, than their other It's stuff. cool, though. It's yeah. so cool. So good. Um. Yeah, I think it's really neat. Um, and so when this album came out, this is when they um, ended up taking a break from touring and they started a record label called Swan Song, um, which we have referenced before. I want to say that's, oh, was that with Bad Company that we referenced it? Yeah, um, anyway, Swan's, a Bad Company was signed to Swan Song. Yeah, okay. They shared the name with an unreleased song of theirs and the logo for so- Swan Song is mm-hmm. a more simplistic drawing but it's based on a painting called evening the fall of day by william rimmer and it's an image of a nude winged man with arms outstretched upward which is another very iconic super immediate i mean immediately recognizable led zeppelin logo like Mm -hmm. you see that image it's just like the little outline of a man with wings naked and stretching his arms out and i mean i say everyone but that's that's led zeppelin to me (laughs) that's yeah it's just crazy so i have a shirt with that on it and Mm -hmm. you know of course i didn't like think anything of it i was wearing it and um, i had gone to pick up nora from school 
and Nora and Jack, because they're both in school now. But Nora, I was making her a snack, and she's like, Mom, there's a naked man on your shirt. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down, and I see him, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, he's not. And she's like, It doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> he's naked. And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I was like, it's just pretend. It's just a cartoon. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe this isn't like the best shirt to wear around Eh. kids or like to a school, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Uh, But I had not thought about it at all. I mean, there's no. It's not like anatomically correct, you know. Yeah. Um. So of course I wouldn't wear that. I don't think that one's a big deal. I feel like there's some crazier ones. Oh yeah, for sure. But I just thought it was really funny. She called me out on it. I was like, um, no, just he's fine. Uh, um, let's see. So for that was Houses of the Holy. They also have that um, yeah, kind of creepy uh, the album cover, like the little blonde kids and like the oh. nude mm-hmm. leotards, just like crouched down. Yes, they kind of have like a golem esque yeah. feel about them, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's yeah. That to one's be. a weird one. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look into that part. This is the one though. That uh, I picked my deep cut from this one. Oh, okay. um, the song The Ocean. So it's the last track of the album, the eighth one. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a cool song to me. And then looking into it, it's pretty obvious once like you hear it. But it's about, um, so, sorry. So the last lines of the third verse, no, sorry. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, sorry. Pedro texted me and I'm like super, I lost my place. Okay. Ugh, so the Pedro. ocean in the lyrics, I know. Leave the ocean in the lyrics. She's podcasting. <laughs> the ocean in the lyrics. <laughs> Just kidding. Go so ahead, there's a part in it says singing to an ocean. I can hear the ocean's roar. Play for free, play for me and play a whole lot more and more. And it's a reference to the crowds, the audience, the fans, and like the sea of heads and faces that they have every night when they perform and all that. And um, there's like more tie-ins that people have like interpreted. It's not like an official, you know, verified interpretation. But there's also a part that says, I used to sing on the mountains. Has the ocean lost its way? And it's like that that was them before finding all this like the following that they have and like the fans where they were just like kind of out there on their own it felt like and has the ocean lost its way is like some people interpret that to be like is this still enough like this is what they wanted and is this still what they want like the oceans and is that still kind of their goal I guess so Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting and like I said there's different interpretations of it but the last line of the third verse I thought you would like this um it says, now I'm singing all my songs to the girl who won my heart. She's only three years old, and it's a real oh. fine way to start. It's about his daughter. And um, in the live performances, he would change the three to whatever age she was at that time. Um, <sighs> so it, it, since it is like one of the lesser known songs, they didn't perform it much after like mm-hmm. the release tour or the tour for this album. Um, but so it wasn't performed often, but when it was, it was like, change to mim- to match yeah. whatever age she was oh, that's so i thought cute. that was sweet yeah that is and it's one sweet. of the only songs where all four of them have writing credits on it oh, so i thought nice. that was interesting yeah. yeah so that's my deep cut okay good one i'll have 
to go back Thanks. and listen to that. Yeah. Um, and then our the sixth album is Physical Graffiti in 1975, which I think we talked about this when we yeah, referenced like that we're going to New York. So this mm. is made in New York um, or based on New York building. Um, the album cover was actually a die cut where the sleeves for each side could be interchanged. And mm-hmm. one of them depicted the album title with the letters in the window. And the other inserts showed Buzz Aldrin, Lee Harvey Oswald, and Pope Leo the Thirteenth, which I thought was really cool, like to have an album cover do that, um, mm-hmm. or just like have interchangeable pieces yeah. and things yeah. like that. Um, it, it had it was super successful in the charts, mm-hmm. and it was their first release on their own record label. Yeah, and their biggest song, song and I, you, you and I love this song Cash- is Cashmere. Oh, such a good one. So good, <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do. Yeah, and that building that's on the album cover—it's also in um, the Rolling Stones music video for "Waiting on a Friend." So it's like ah. a, it's going to be fun to go see that building and just take mm-hmm. a few pictures in front of it, just to be like, "This is it. This is the this is the building." Yeah, and um, this one also had like quite a few more songs than most of their other records. Um, mm-hmm. It had. I'm, Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I, I don't ones? have Maybe the track have like list eight or so. Um, yeah, but very, very good. Um, and there, I mean, there's more that are on here. Like I know Boogie with Stew is. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some plagiarism issues over that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so more yeah more that one that. was oh but that one was interesting because um richie it's like richie valance let me see credited his mother mrs valance in an effort to get some royalties to um directly to the mother of the original singer because i guess richie valance is the one that was like the inspiration i say with quotes, oh. like behind the song so oh. they credited his mother in it oh. so that way it would like yeah because this this, is I, I don't know if they did that initially or okay. if it was like um yeah i didn't know that that's cool i don't think it's post-humorous i think it's <laughs> it's posthumous it... it's i don't think it's humorous <laughs> post uh, no it's okay like, there's a song it's... called post-humorous <laughs> posthumous but the word is like po- posthumous uh, isn't it it's it's weird because you don't say it the way Oh, I've heard it said, and I normally posthumous. just read it. Posthumous? But it's not posthumous, for sure. <laughs> I guess every time I've read it, I've read it posthumous. Posthumous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, hold on. Now I want to hear the... Posthumous, yeah. Okay, posthumous. I thought I was saying it weird. I was like, I don't think posthumous. it's posthumous. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway... Um, <laughs> yes, so <laughs> I don't know if it was My bad. <laughs> when <laughs> credited. To I balance. literally have always said posthumous <laughs> when I read that word. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not funny anymore if you're talking about death. <laughs> so. No, but, ay, ay, ay. Oh, well. You know, I also <sighs> called Hermione Haramoyne until oh she my teacher always like said hermione 
Yeah. Hmm? My oh. teacher would read it as Hermione. Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so I didn't know. How are you supposed to know? Who knows? In the, I don't know. In That's the fourth a, book, she Not tells, an American name. Yeah. She tells how to say her name. So. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, just last little bit about this one. Um, they'd begun recording this album in late 1973 when John Paul Jones had started feeling ill and he was debating quitting the band and their manager asked him to reconsider and suggested he take some time to rest instead. So could have ended here after the sixth album instead mm-hmm. of going on, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And it was at that time that Bad Company came to record their debut album in the studio, the Headley Grange in Hampstead, England. So yeah. there's the Bad Company tie-in. And in August 1975, Robert Plant and his wife were in a serious car accident in Greece, and mm-hmm. their tour, their whole tour, had to be postponed for that, which is scary. Okay. Should we move on to presents? Yeah. This one, if you want to go ahead and yeah, take um, it on, because this is the one I don't have much. I have one line for the eighth album, so if you want to <laughs> well, go is, ahead. Yeah, this is the seventh album, uh, presents. Mm-hmm. In 1976... Um, it really doesn't have like a standout song on it, but Achilles Last Stand is one of the bigger ones. And then um, something that I thought was interesting about this one, I know, um, was it the was it the debut album that was done in 30 hours? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This one, it only took them 18 days. So it seems like a lot longer, but still mm-hmm. in the span of like what you're creating. And granted, this one only has like seven tracks on it. But mm-hmm. still, 18 days to record and mix and all that, it's really, really impressive, I thought. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this would be a good one to get a deep cut from because I don't recognize really any of the other songs. Mm-hmm. You have For Your Life, Royal Orleans, Nobody's Fault But Mine, Candy Store Rock, Hot's On For Nowhere, and T For One. Any of those ring a bell? I feel like the Candy Store Rock is the one that um, when I was listening through a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. when I was like prepping for this, I feel like that's the one that stuck out, but I can't okay. remember the tune right now. But I I, I know I listened this out to this whole album through. I want to say that's the one that stood out, but I can't remember for sure. Maybe it's just that I remember seeing the name on my yeah on my phone when I was yeah. Playing, this but. could be another uh, <clears throat> example of like the names don't really match the. <laughs> The yeah, song, so it's like, it uh, but yeah, Achilles Last Stand is the one that I um, that stood out to me on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in 1976, they released the song "Remains the Same," so that was their. Uh, I don't know if you would technically call it like their eighth album. Um, I don't think people do, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but it was the soundtrack to their like documentary fiction piece or whatever it was <laughs> uh, and on that one they did some like it was all just live shows of their their big songs so like Days and confused no quarter stairway to heaven moby dick whole lot of love mm-hmm. rock and roll celebration day those are all on there and um mm-hmm. again if you haven't watched the song remains the same take a couple of hours out of your day and <laughs> go watch it if nothing else the <laughs> Seeing them perform live and watching, like, they do each take a, a part where, like, they're, like, doing their solo, you know? And so, like, the other mm-hmm. guys will, like, walk off the stage or something, go take a break. And it is really, really impressive to see that. If you find yourself in a state mm-hmm. where you can Maybe jury find duty? some edibles. 
Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, no, we're, we're not on the same page here. here. <laughs> I was thinking if you find yourself with some extra time to kill, oh, yeah. you can't really get I mean, a whole lot done. Mine's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Same thing for totally. mine. <laughs> Essentially, yes. If you want to get out of jury duty, I'm sorry, I'm high. <laughs> okay, so three years later, they release their eighth album, In Through the Outdoor. Um, do you want to cover that one? Uh, well, their big song from this one is All My Love, and mm-hmm. uh, you foreshadowed, yeah, this is like the tragedy. Is It's a tribute yeah. to his son who died at five years old from yeah, stomach Carrick. illness. Yeah. So, so it's a beautiful song, but yeah, I yes. didn't realize that like history behind it so it's a little different now yeah and so I have a little story to go along with that um so this was like 1977 while they were on tour um in the U.S. Robert Plant met this girl or woman Audrey Hamilton she was 20 years old at the time and he was so smitten with her that he invited her to come travel with them and she I guess he met her in Dallas, or she was from Dallas, but she left her husband, uh, who I guess they were allegedly in an open relationship, to go on tour with Robert Plant uh, in Led Zeppelin. (laughs) And she wasn't like other groupies in the way that she (laughs) was known as Robert's road wife. (laughs) I know. But she, so she wasn't like, he wasn't like interchanging her, I guess is what I mean. Mm. Um, She was known as his road wife, and he loved her. And on this um, album, he said that she inspired the song Hot Dog um, on this album, In Through the Outdoor. And it um, makes a reference to a girl in Dallas or in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. But their relationship ended abruptly when he received that call that his son Carrick had died suddenly from a stomach infection. And he co-wrote All of My Love with John Paul Jones as a tribute to his son. Um, The rest of the tour was canceled. Everyone went home, including Audrey. She went back to Dallas. Um, And while she, while they were separated, I guess he thought, like, you know, he's going home to be with his family and everything. But in his head, I guess he was like, oh, she's going to wait for me (laughs) Um, because he wanted to get back with Audrey. But it's reported that she had been in a relationship with Mick Ralphs of Bad Company. And I wonder where she met him. (laughs) Um, And then in 1980, she actually had a daughter with uh, Ace Frehley, the guitarist from Kiss. So, Mm. yeah. Um, And but I just thought that was interesting that uh, he, you know, he had gone back and then... um, all that had happened it was really sad so that, um hmm? yeah i was gonna say not referring to a son but that's when the op- open relationship really bites you in the ass it's like well oh, yeah, yeah like, okay i know we have like, open, celebrity crushes open but we never never thought it was going to come to fruition um <laughs> yeah but she um shoot what was i going to say about that Oh, I don't remember. I'll probably remember later. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting also that she had a, a daughter with um, guitarist Ace Free. I don't know if she was still married to her yeah. husband at the time or not. <laughs> um, possibly, I guess. 
but yeah it was really sad to to see because I think when he they were on tour he had gotten a call saying hey Carrick is sick um and then like the next call he got is that he had passed and it's like he didn't even have mm-hmm. time or like knowledge that it was like a serious illness or whatever it was just some sort of mm-hmm. um stomach bacteria which again is like super scary um but again that's in you know the late 70s so we have a lot more technology and um medical advancement these days to help with that so mm-hmm. um all around just very sad um tragic part of his life and then still more tragedy yet to come as it goes um in between that i don't know if this is like too far out there but did you read about the shark yes yeah that was disturbing i was like wait what so my notes i didn't even want to write it all out i wrote some awful allegations involving a shark and a woman. Like, I didn't even want to elaborate further, even in my own notes. So I didn't know if you even wanted to discuss it, because it's like, um, Yeah, so this cool. was all, like, kind of he said, she said type thing. Like, they deny that it ever happened. Um, I think the only one from the band that was technically involved was John Bottom. Um, it was, mm-hmm. like, him and then, like, the road manager, I think. And then another band, right? I like people uh, from Vanilla another band. Vanilla Fudge. Uh, yeah. Van- yeah. Yeah. So, like, in their early days, they were in Vanilla Fudge, I think, actually took responsibility for it, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh. And um, they would get, like, crazy. They were, like, the epitome mm-hmm. of, like, trashing hotel rooms and that sort of thing. This particular hotel that they were staying at had balconies that overlooked, like, a bay. So you could actually fish off of your balcony, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had caught a mud shark. And the story goes that they, like, caught this mud shark. They cut it up, tied up this groupie, and pretty much, like, uh, what is the word? Deep. Um, mm-hmm. Like debauchery. I was just gonna say, or... like sexually assaulted her. Yeah, but... basically sexually assaulted her by. Okay, I was like, what's with the D? I don't know. So, I don't, where um, you're going with that one? D something. I can't remember. Um, probably a good thing I can't think of this word. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they like inserted the the mud shark pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, something just like totally horrific, and that's why a lot of people didn't believe it because they're like, what the like, who would do that? Um, mm-hmm. But apparently they were all like super wasted and who knows um but that's how the story goes there was also a story about um when they like they would always tear up the hotel rooms and like throw tvs out of the windows and stuff and mainly this was john bottom and we'll kind of get more into this i think a little bit later but they would they said like john bottom was like this big teddy bear he was like a sweet loving guy and when he was sober all he wanted was like to be at home with his family and you know he was a lovely person but after a few drinks he turned into what they referred to as the beast and the beast was not a good person and he made some really bad decisions and did some really nasty things including that mud shark thing um but he would tear up the the hotels and 
he there was one time where the manager was like what you just like tore up this whole room he's like the only thing you left was the mirror on the wall and John Bottom was like, oh, did I? And then he, like, took the mirror and smashed it. <laughs> and the hotel manager, he was so mad when they checked out, but it wasn't because of the damage. It said that he, because he was getting paid for the damage by, the, by like, Peter mm-hmm. Grant. Um, but he envied that lifestyle, and he was like, I want to be free to just go trash a room, but I can't do that. And so Peter Grant was like, oh, is that it? And so he's like, go pick a room, trash it, we'll cover the bill. <laughs> It's so weird. Yeah, and so I guess he did that, but it like they just they were really the epitome of like a rock and roll band as far as that goes and like trashing hotel rooms, having groupies, doing things like um slide like making slip and slides down the hallway. Yeah. See, that's <laughs> I feel like if I could get away with anything, that's where I would go. It's like oh. the slip and slides, like that not necessarily yeah. like tearing stuff breaking stuff on purpose and all that i feel like the just other stuff sounds fun not all the other stuff i didn't mean like all the other stuff (laughs) slip and slides is a yes i'll say that (laughs) okay yeah 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 that was it seemed like on the tamer side and i think that's the kind of stuff that john paul jones was involved in uh because he was he Mm -hmm. was noted as saying like well it wasn't like a I was like completely out of it. Like I still had my fun. I got drunk and I had fun, but I think that's the kind of fun he had. It didn't seem like he was really out there, like doing all the Mm -hmm. nasty, bad stuff. Um, (laughs) Everybody said that and it didn't like no, Mm -hmm. nothing like that. So um, yeah, just like I said, really uh, unfortunate choices sometimes. Um, when it comes to to John Bonham and that leads us into uh, 1980 which is a big year for Led Zeppelin Um, so before before we go into that let's kind of keep talking I guess about some of their um, issues about their image and their excess lifestyle Mm-hmm. Um, so like we said, John Bonham was very out there. Like he even at one point, I think he assaulted a, um, a reporter, this female reporter had been sent to, to interview them and he was drunk and or high or whatever. And he started like, he basically attacked her and started like tearing at her clothes and, um, the other guys, I don't know if it was the band members or the crew or whoever, like pulled him off of her but it was like known that he would force himself on the flight attendants because they had that big mm-hmm. like boeing 737 what was it called um the yeah i know i know aircraft I yeah um and it was just like a known thing that he would he would do that it's and i awful. guess yeah and it, just horrible things that they were i guess they all just kind of looked the other way because here they are doing horrible things. Insert Jimmy Page. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Jimmy Page is infamously known to have had several flings with groupies and what you would actually call a baby groupie, um, which is as horrible and as sickening it as it seems. Yeah. yeah. So he... Okay, so in, I don't know what year this is, 
but he had already had he was in a relationship with French model Charlotte Martin from 1970 to 83 and they had a daughter together named Scarlett in 1971 so you have to assume that this is between that period Um, but his most notable groupie flings Mm. were with Pamela DeBar um, and she is she was kind of like I feel like the queen of the groupies maybe because she helped inspire mm-hmm. the character Penny Lane in the movie Almost Famous um, mm-hmm. and that, I think that's one that you haven't seen right Mm-mm. okay yeah so that's Kate Hudson's character um, so you'll yeah go watch that movie it's it is a really good movie still um, and that name is because of the Beatles Pamela DeBar or Penny Lane? No, Penny Lane. Penny Lane. Um, yeah, I would assume so. I think that was oh, just okay. like her. I, like, well, I don't know if that was her real okay. name or she just went by. Because these girls, they would go by like different names. Candy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> then he, so Jimmy Page, this is the one that was like really bad. So he was 28 and he started seeing baby groupie Lori Maddox who was only 14 or around mm-hmm. 14 at the time that she started mm-hmm. seeing or dating Jimmy Page. And it said that he would have to, like, like she would stay locked up in his room while they were playing shows Ugh. so that they could kind of keep their relationship low-key and on the down low. Because even then it was, like, frowned upon. Um, yeah. Even, like, God. you know, and I think he, like, had requested permission to be with her from her parents at some point while she was still that blows my mind i've heard of that for i mean there's a lot of people in music history especially older music history who are known for that and it's like even even if they're like oh but the parents agreed like what were the parents thinking Mm -hmm. yeah he's twice her age disgusting Um, but he's not the first nor was he the last that she was with i think it said that she had actually before she was with Jimmy Page, she was with David Bowie, and she had actually lost mm-hmm. her virginity to David Bowie. So she, that must have been like thirteen, around thirteen, which just God. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Lori, Lori Maddox found Jimmy Page in bed with Bebe Buell, um, <laughs> who was twenty. So that's the end of Lori Maddox and Jimmy Page mm-hmm. together. They split up after that. Um, Baby Beale, at that time, she was 20, so at least he had moved mm-hmm. on. But that was a few years An later. Adult. so Ish, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I mean not... legally. <laughs> legally, yeah, yeah. Legally an adult. Yes. Um, so, but interestingly enough, Baby Beale, she went on to have a child with Steven Tyler, a.k.a. Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> also known as Liv Tyler. Um, and so beyond his really uh, poor choices in female companions, Jimmy Page was also famously known for his interest in the occult yeah. and like Aleister Crowley. And he even mm-hmm. went so far as to buy Aleister Crowley's house. I believe it was called like mm-hmm. Bullskin House. And, yeah. and that it was like actually haunted, um, mm-hmm. but he didn't ever live there. He only visited it like a few times. Yeah, um, I have like a crazy quote here from okay. Rolling Stone uh, in 1975. It put, it, it put. It, he says, 
There were two or three owners before Crowley moved into it. It was also a church that burned to the ground with the yes. congregation in it. Yep. Strange things have happened in that house that had nothing to do with Crowley. The bad vibes are already there. A man was beheaded there, and sometimes you can hear his yeah. head rolling down. End yeah. quote. Down like the hallway. What? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understand that's his interest, but also, like, mm-hmm. ugh. <laughs> it gives me the creeps just thinking about, like, ooh, let's buy that. And I can imagine, like, one, owning it is its own thing, but, like, also visiting or staying there. Ugh. I cannot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for those of a those who don't know who Aleister Crowley is, um, he was an English occultist. Um, it says mm-hmm. he was also a ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist, and mountaineer. He founded the religion of the Lima. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that. The Lima. Identifying oh, himself as the prophet entrusted with guiding humanity. Um, so he... Not... I mean... I guess that's yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Page was very <laughs> into the occult and into that's where the the sigils came from again and like you know people say that he was like a Satan worshiper a Satanist and I don't know if I buy into all of that like the if you play the tracks backwards they say like oh sweet Satan or something like that I'm like oh eh. like the Beatles too right yeah um, it's so like I want to say there was something I. I won't be able to find it right away. Um, I want to say it was in that song, The Ocean, that I just mentioned a little mm. while ago, mm-hmm. that there's a part uh, that they changed. I can't remember what the word is, to Halal or something. And I, it was like a reference to hell. And mm. one of the commenters, so this was, it's already like a kind of a weird site, but one of the commenters on it, so it's just like some random person, mm-hmm. mentioned that when they performed that song at Madison Square Garden, that in some video, they didn't have the video, but that in some video it shows Jimmy Page doing some, like, hand gestures mm-hmm. at, um, was it at Bonham? At someone, at one of the other band members, and those were supposed to be gestures to make them hellbound. And part as part of that song is, like, and it supposedly was only during that song that he had done it, Mm-hmm. And at that part where it mentioned that, oh, what's the word? Like, I want to say it was like Hillel. Let me see. Um, and it was like, that's how, and there's still rumors like with current bands like this where it's like, oh, that's how they got so famous was mm-hmm. they sold their they soul sold their to the souls. devil and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And supposedly those gestures um, originated from something Crowley had said or preached oh. or whatever. But oh, let me see. Let me look up. It reminds me of that movie, again. Jennifer's like, Body. <laughs> the, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. If you haven't watched that, that is a gem. That's a good movie. movie. (laughs) What does it say? Oh, I thought it was in this one. Yeah, I got, okay, I got a date. I can't be late for the High Hopes. Hila Ball? Hila Ball? And that's supposed to be a reference, or some people understand it as a reference to hell. Interesting. Hila Ball meaning, let's see. Um... But other other people say it's not, or that, that it was changed to that because it originally said something else, um, hellhound invoking. And I was like, what? I, so it was just really hard to follow. That's why I originally didn't include it. But yeah. coming up, thinking about it again, I'm like, eh, well, it kind of has to do with the Crowley thing again. So, Or it has a lot to do with it. So, Here's my hot take on all this. I feel like 
if he was into like I, I know he was into the occult he even bought a bookstore like a publishing house in london called equinox that he mm-hmm. like was devoted to the occult um but so like it's there's no doubt that he was into that and fascinated by it now i don't buy into that he was like a satan worshiper or that any of their music has like underlying hidden um like subliminal messages or anything Mm -hmm. like that i think that they kind of fed that and he probably didn't stop people from in like assuming or insinuating you know because Mm -hmm. it was like it's attention right and he didn't Mm -hmm. like he's very um he even played the hermit the role of the hermit and so it's like he he's like let them think that of me and whatever that's not who i am or whatever you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but it could be totally that he is just a perv that is totally into the occult i don't know um, I was like, he's I got a few strikes against him. The, yeah, the issues with the. I mean, I think it's clear why you said perv. Like, yeah, I well, think that's, I didn't want to be like. He's clarifying. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I'm not trying to defend him or be a Jimmy Page apologist in any way, but apologist, I'm just trying yeah. to understand, like, you know, he like they the validity of it. Yeah, yeah, they probably didn't stop it because it's like even bad press is good press you know like better than mm-hmm. no press at all or whatever um mm-hmm. so he's like yeah just let him run with it and who cares um yeah plus it probably helped the mystique of the band and all that it doesn't help that in that um a song remains the same there's like this in his little portion of it, his montage before he becomes the hermit and he's like sitting on this um, picnic blanket, and then he like turns around, and his eyes start glowing red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's not so like there's he's like trying to stop a term it, now. I'm sure you've heard like queer baiting. I wonder if this is like an early version of Satan baiting, like Satan. wanting oh. people yeah. to believe it for like, ooh, you're not going to confirm or deny, but you're going to try to get like certain audiences, you, you know, just into made up it a word. <laughs> I don't know that I'll oh, ever yeah. use that word. I don't know if it'll ever get any traction because there's Stop probably not a lot of fat, fat Satan. Happen. <laughs> yeah. funny. So that 1979 album, that eighth album, In Through the Outdoor, that was the last studio album that Zeppelin released. Um, and that was because in 1980... 80... But mm-hmm. it was eighty, yeah. I'm trying to find yeah, out. Yeah, September twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, John Bonham was found dead in Jimmy mm-hmm. Page's house, and yes. the story goes that they were actually recording um, the. I don't know. I guess they were recording their next album, and he had just like, what was it? They were, oh, they were doing rehearsals. That's what it was. They were doing rehearsals for their upcoming North American mm-hmm. tour. And, and he said he needed like a break or something, right? Yeah. Like, like he had been minute. drinking a lot, which wasn't unusual mm-hmm. for him, but he had been like downing um, screwdrivers. So just like vodka and orange juice. And yeah. they found that he had consumed roughly 40 shots of vodka in 24 yeah. hours. 40 shots of vodka in 24 hours. I mean, hours. I know you build up tolerance 
but not 40 is no way um and so basically they had put him to bed but and i think they even put him on his side it was like one of the assistant i can't remember who did it but they put him mm-hmm. to bed in um jimmy page's house put him on his side i think but i guess at some to point prevent mm-hmm. that happening because many people as we know had already died from like yeah just overconsumption. you get that sick and like yeah so choke on your own vomit kind of thing that's exactly what happened to him. He choked on his own vomit, and the cause of death was pulmonary aspiration. Um, mm-hmm. Very unfortunate. He had a wife and two children, Jason and Zoe. Um, mm-hmm. Jason, as we know, he was uh, he a very talented his, drummer, just like his dad. Yeah, gone on. And has gone on to play with Led Zeppelin and play in different bands um, before Zeppelin mm-hmm. and after. And so um, just really unfortunate um, ending to to the band. I know their lifestyle choices were very questionable. Um, you know, unfortunately, it goes along with the the being like rock gods that they were you know like Mm -hmm. they had those like people just gave them passes they're like well that's just the way it is like they're like like um makes me think of bad company shooting star when he's like johnny died one night with a bottle by his head yeah like they didn't really think of it there was sleeping tablets by his bed so there was the story um John Bonham was John Bonham and Tony Iommi were really good friends. Tony Iommi is a guitarist for Black Sabbath, and they were really good friends to the point that John Bonham was Tony Iommi's best man at his wedding, right? Mm-hmm. And the story goes that um, they had gone out for his stag night. They were both uh, from Birmingham, um, which I think Robert Plant was too, actually. Yes. So anyway, they go out for a stag night. And um, they, which is like the bachelor party, and you know they're out drinking, having a good, having a good time, going to the clubs. It's like 1:30 in the morning, and John. So like everything is getting ready to close, and Tony Iommi is like trying to, you know, kind of keep it cool because he's getting married the next day, and John Bonham orders 12 bottles of champagne, all up on. He's like, put them on the bar, open them. And Tony is thinking, like, okay, he's going to buy champagne for the whole place, the whole bar. And he was like, John Bottom was like, no, those are for you. And Tony Omi's like, no, I can't drink that. No, I, I can't do that, man. I'm getting married tomorrow. And he's like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna be able mm-hmm. to get there. Anyway, so he had a glass. Apparently, John Bottom goes down the road just, like, chugging. Chugging sh- this champagne. I don't know how you even physically do that because champagne, know, champagne is, so is like the worst. <laughs> I don't know if he made it through the whole thing, but he. It was the point where they had to get like a driver to take him home. His wife was like refusing to let him inside because he was so drunk. And she's like, "Well, he's not sleeping upstairs, and so he had to sleep downstairs." And <laughs> Tony Iommi was leaving, and he's like, "You're not going to make it tomorrow, are you?" <laughs> and John <laughs> just kind of gave him a thumbs up. He showed up before Tony Iommi even 
woke up that morning he showed up there he lived like 30 miles away john bottom showed up fully dressed ready to go and like nothing had happened the night before Mm -hmm. and so it's just a crazy story to think about but also like how how much does that tell you about like how much he regularly consumed like he was yeah and like his his friends were well aware of it and just like Mm -hmm. okay we're just gonna like leave you here and so for them to put him in the bed at jimmy page's house and be like all right dude sleep it off probably nobody gave it a second thought because they'd Mm -hmm. done it so many times before and this time it just like i knew to take the precaution of turning him over yeah slightly and everything like i feel like normally you don't do that if you're just got a drunk friend yeah like oh you would you know go to sleep Mm -hmm. i mean mostly i haven't but that's just crazy. Yeah. But I thought that that story was quite telling of the... Yeah. Yeah. The level... Just the excess. He got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, understandably, they disbanded after that. They did not replace him as we've seen other bands do before. Is um, They disbanded. They did perform together a few more times um, for, like, Live Aid and Atlantic Records' 40th anniversary, but they uh, kind of, across the board, considered both of those performances subpar because they didn't rehearse and they were just, like, not in sync anymore. Um, What was cool about Live Aid is Phil Collins played with them. Um, Yeah, Phil Collins on drums, right? Yeah, who who was another drummer um, that played with them, too? Uh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, Phil Collins like announced them and then he got to play with them. Um, yeah, I like Phil Collins. I'm excited for him. Yeah. Um, they have released remastered albums and live albums, but no other studio albums. Right. So nothing else original from them. Um, there's supposed to be a band documentary, which I think we talked about in the beginning of part one was for their 50th anniversary, but because of the pandemic, it was slowed down. And I think now they're like, can't figure out a way to distribute it or haven't finalize that so mm-hmm. still unavailable largely um yeah and after all that robert plant probably a lot of people know but he went on to have a very successful solo career mm-hmm. he released his own studio albums he toured and with phil collins and herbs also sometimes um formed a group with jimmy page and jeff beck called the honey drippers yeah excuse me um released an album with jimmy page that didn't perform well commercially um and was in Several other bands, including Priory of Brian, Strange Sensations, Band of Joy, Sensational Space Shifters, Saving Grace, and what is, stands out the most to me is his, a part of his like after Zeppelin is he also released music with Alison Krauss, including yep. their first album Raising Sand, which won five Grammys in two thousand nine. I remember when I realized like Robert Plant and Alison Krauss had music. I was like, wow, this is so cool because I like Alison Krauss a lot. I can't say I'm a I know a lot of her music besides, like, the When You Say Nothing at All and her song with Brad Paisley. Like, there's just a few of hers. But I really like her sound. I just have not, like, dived into her discography. But I was really excited whenever I figured out, like, oh, Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin and her are making music, Mm -hmm. which I guess isn't too crazy of a pairing, but definitely out of left field for me. Like, I wouldn't have expected that. Um so yeah so that's they are actually going robert plant and allison krauss are going to be at moody amphitheater here in austin on september 4th nice that's in well 
we're recording this the 31st so that's in yeah. like four days <laughs> yep but yep they're touring right that's now neat. yeah i saw that and that I was would like, be cool oh show. man that would be really cool but we need to like set up alerts because mm-hmm. you know every band that we are do or about to do we need to set up like concert alerts for austin yeah. san antonio or like this vicinity because I feel like there's a few where I realized it too late or like had already had other plans or I'm like, ah, oh, exactly. we just missed it by like a week. Yeah. So um, he had three kids with his first wife, including the one we mentioned that passed away, Carrick. Um, mm-hmm. And about eight years after his divorce, he had a son with his ex-wife's sister, oh. which I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. He lived in Austin for a while around like 2012 and 2014 when he was dating Patty Griffin, but um not anymore so yeah do you have anything else for him like where he is now um not really he's done a couple of different things um he has said it made it very clear that he has no intention of bringing zeppelin back and going on tour yeah so i don't know if there's any validity in that or (laughs) but it seems like i feel like if they haven't done it yet i cannot imagine them going out now who knows i don't know personally Um, John Paul Jones, who I feel like we, I mean, obviously he's come up in this, but he's, hasn't had as much to talk about as the other band members. Um, but he, after Zeppelin has continued session work, even when he was with Zeppelin, he was doing session work surprisingly Mm -hmm. still. Um, and even on the Wings album, the Paul McCartney albums, um, and John Bonham, I think was on that same album with him too. He's also produced, ties into another episode, a live album for Heart called The Road Home and was like on some of those songs. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is really staying in the scene kind of at the background, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so many, like so, yeah. so many bands. He's just incredibly talented and still like creative. You know, he's still got like mm-hmm. those creative juices flowing and is using that to help other other bands. Um, and yeah, he hasn't really done a whole lot of like there was one. I forget what thing it was, but like Robert Plant and Jimmy Page had gotten together and done something. And I know they had collaborations, but um, John Paul Jones, they were interviewing him and they were like well why weren't you a part of that and he was like well if they would have asked me i would have been <laughs> you know and then like with the live aid thing he was um he was on the phone with them and he yeah he was on the phone with them and they're like yeah it's gonna be robert and um you know jimmy's gonna be there and mm-hmm. He was like, oh, well, if Robert and Jimmy, and he's like, I know a Zeppelin bassist that's available. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. Mm. <laughs> Just, that stinks. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, like, if there was, like, um like internal stuff going on where they just didn't, like, include yeah. him. But I was like, man, the bassists always get looked over. <laughs> <laughs> but he he's done so much, and with other, he has so much to be proud of as far as, not just his Zeppelin work, like, but beyond Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a lot. Um, and again, just like a really influential bassist. Um, and I know a mm-hmm. lot of people look up to him in his bass playing. So yeah, but he he really did have his hand like mm-hmm. in so many bands, like, and still. And I feel like I should 
probably look more into this, but like you mentioned it earlier, and I am not super familiar with the terms like producer versus composer versus a- arrangement and like okay. all those. Like I, I know it has to do with like you know the music making. <laughs> I just don't know like which components yeah. each person is responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I should probably look more into that, but. He's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's intense. It's intense. I don't understand a lot of it. Like Craig has tried to explain it to me. And I don't know how these guys collaborate so well with that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just a lot. And there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but when you get it, you get it and it's good. And it's like mm-hmm. everybody can be proud, which is the exciting thing about it. And I think that's kind of like the allure of working on a collaboration like that is like when it's good it's really good you know and mm-hmm. everybody can take credit for it so mm-hmm. um yeah um so jimmy page he is still mm-hmm. going he's still out there playing still well, out there worshiping satan <laughs> maybe <laughs> jimmy page is going to probably live forever because he sold his soul yeah. we will know in the next 30 years if he's still alive. <laughs> you know what I was going to say? Okay, this may be like an unpopular opinion, but Uh-oh. I was thinking like what, like who would play these guys if they were to make like a, a document? Because you know how they're coming oh. out with all these mm-hmm. like rockumentary type things. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I'm sure there's going to be a Zeppelin one at some point. These guys are probably going to have to die first and then they'll, they'll come out with one. Because um, they haven't, they won't like let anybody make anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I didn't mean that in like a really morbid way, but of course we are kind of morbid here. So anyway, long story short, Colin Hanks for Jimmy Page. Oh, okay. Do you see it? I can see it. Yeah. Like the Especially frame, the, the crinkle face. eyes. Yes. Or like when they smile. Like if yeah. put like a wig on him, do him up in the outfit. And I was like, I could see Colin Hanks playing such a good, like kind of older Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. Not old, not like old, old, but like you know 70s jimmy page and um yeah i couldn't really think of good ones for the other guys but i've just uh, like, now i'm, I'm looking at their others. pictures now like trying to think like who would i i know who did they first make me think of oh maybe, john bonham i don't know i know i was thinking maybe um bradley cooper what robert plant Oh, I was like, not for no, John not Bonham. For John That's Bonham. giving John Bonham way too much. Uh, <laughs> no, for maybe, but he's like too. Mm. I would. I feel like it would have to be kind of unknowns to play. Yeah, I feel like they, they would have to not be so recognizable. Yeah, or be able to like change. Or, yeah, they'd I feel have like to be a little bit younger too. <laughs> yeah, I don't but know. they kind of resemble each other a little bit. I could see him kind of mm. maybe. Eh. It's hard to say. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It is hard to say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I so guess do we'll you find have your one-hit um, wonder? Yeah. Before we do that, another thing, another tie-in um, to today that I want to bring out is the rock band Greta Van Fleet. Have you heard mm-hmm. them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard so, of them. I don't know them well, but I know who you're talking about. They are basically a modern-day Led Zeppelin um if you will they are heavily heavily influenced by zeppelin they to the point of like how they dress like they're very because they're these young guys um 
the band is like it's three brothers i think and then um a friend and they they have like a very the singer he does like a lot of screaming and like um mimicking almost um robert plant and they are good they're very good but it's like if you if you like zeppelin you may not like greta van fleet because you're like a like this mm-hmm. feels too much maybe like a tribute band of sorts mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but overall i mean they're super talented guys um and again they are fun to watch but yeah they're they definitely look like they're modern day 70s check out greta van fleet if you're a fan of zeppelin you may end up really liking them i think this is the second time i've done this where i have my one hit wonder and they're like technically not a one hit wonder so i apologize (laughs) but i was going for okay golden earring is the band and my song was going to be twilight zone but they're also the band who sings radar love (laughs) and i was like dang it (laughs) i know picking one hit wonders is hard i mean there's so many but picking one that I don't know. I like to make the connection, so that makes it harder yeah, too. But well, yeah, picking one hit wonders is tricky. Yeah, tricky. So, I mean. Golden Earring, they're a Dutch rock band. They founded in 1961. Radar Love uh, made it big in 1973. Um, and then they released Twilight Zone in 1982. Um, they also have a song called When the Lady Smiles, but I didn't know that one. Uh, that was released in 1984. I don't know if you've heard that one. Um, yeah, they were super young when they got together. So it was formed um, by 13-year-old George Kuimans. Kuimans? <laughs> and Sorry. 15-year-old... N- I know. Well, it gets worse. 15-year-old neighbor, Rhinus Gerritsen. Rhinus Gerritsen. Uh-huh. Yeah. They had some really big songs... <laughs> Um, but the two were, um, Radar Love and Twilight Zone. Oh, here is something that actually ties in. They embarked on a major U.S. tour, like from 1969 to 1970, and they actually toured with Led Zeppelin. So there's your Mm, tie-in right there. Nice connection. Love it. that was one that I didn't even know was going to happen. I was just like, surely there's got to be something. Sometimes you get lucky. (laughs) Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But yeah, so that is my one-hit wonder. That's not really a one-hit wonder that I wasn't completely prepared for. Apologies for that. <laughs> uh, even though we've been. What did we say this. last time we did that? It was like it's just one wonderful song or something one like. Wonderful, just it's one a... wonderful song. Yeah, I did that with like the Ed- <laughs> Edgar Winter group. Um, did you? Ever oh, last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ooh. I did. I added it to the our Spotify playlist. Oh, um, cool. our one hit wonder so i was listening to oh, it yeah that's such a cool song uh just instrument instrumental <laughs> piece so and with that we are going to wrap up led zeppelin <laughs> and we appreciate you guys listening we are so excited to be back for season two we have some really great artists and bands that we're going to cover um we'll have another two-parter in this season you'll see and then um we'll keep it going and you know we always take uh requests 
So let us know if there's one that you want to hear. And some very exciting news is we are, last time I checked, which was last night, 13 <laughs> downloads away from 1,000 downloads. Woo! <laughs> which is huge. A thousand yeah. downloads. Um, that is, we're going to be so excited when we hit the thousands. So help us out. Download the podcast. Tell your friends. Um, if you enjoy it, rate us. Let us know. Leave us some comments. Review us. All that good stuff uh, on all of the podcast websites. At, we're on pretty much all of them. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Podbean, uh, Samsung, uh, Google, right? And Alexa. I think you can mm -hmm. even ask Alexa to listen to us. I <laughs> actually have not tried that. I should go try that right now. Um, but yeah, we're all over. And so just give us a listen and let us know what you think. So until next time, rock out and number one. <laughs>